you're about to hear a true story of someone who has taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host, and thank you for joining me. Lisa, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I can't wait to get to know you and find out more about you. So start out by just telling me a few things about yourself. Sure. I am uh, the mother of four. I'll start with some of the personal things first. And I would say that that's my proudest accomplishment of anything else in my life. And I bet there's a lot of mothers who say that. Um, my children range from college age to, um, you know, into young adults. So my children are at the age where they're starting to launch, as they say. I'm married to my wonderful husband, Ed. We live in the Washington, D.C. area, and I am a financial coach or a money coach with uh, Money Mentor Group, which is um, myself and a business partner, Jane Helm. She's the founder of Money Mentor Group, and we are financial coaches. Oh, that's so awesome. I love hearing this because I know there has to be a lemon to lemonade story in why you're doing what you're doing. And I love that you have the older kids too, me too. But I want to hear, like, why would somebody get involved in this? There has to be a story behind this. So take me back. There is, there is. So it really kind of goes back to what I call my money story. Everybody has a money story and your money story is the, or the messages that you heard growing up around money. They could be messages that you got from your parents. They could be messages that you got from your environment. They can be messages you got from your peers. They can even be messages from your culture or your religion. And your money story, these messages that we hear really form your relationship with your money as an adult. And so for me as a child, I heard lots of messages around scarcity. Um, I remember hearing a lot of, we can't afford it, we can't afford it, we can't afford it. And it's not that we were poor because we were not. My parents were just big savers. You know, we were middle-class, we certainly weren't wealthy, but my parents were really frugal and uh, big savers. So fast forward, I became a young adult, got married pretty early in my twenties and my um, husband had a similar money story. And so we were like kids in a candy store since we were earning, you know, between the two of us, pretty good money. We bought luxury vehicles. We bought an expensive house. You know, we, we ate out a lot. We were just spending, spending, spending to kind of fill that void, that emotional void that we felt growing up. And so unfortunately, um, I ended up getting divorced um, from my first husband. And um, when I left that marriage, I suddenly became a divorced single mom of a five-year-old daughter. And I left that marriage with about $60,000 of debt and virtually no savings. And not only was it a dark period because of what I was going through, but I remember so clearly, like, like it was yesterday, laying in bed at night, staring at the ceiling and thinking to myself, how am I ever gonna give my daughter the life that I want for her? You know, how am I gonna send her to college? How am I gonna 
you know, maybe help her buy a house someday? How am I going to give her a nice wedding? Heck, how am I going to be able to afford gymnastics? Like, you know, you know, given my financial situation. And I thought, how am I going to have what I want in life? You know, be able to retire someday, maybe buy a house for myself someday. I was filled with um, overwhelm and fear and stress and a feeling like I had failed. And so I really had to do some soul searching. And what I realized is that in order for me to make the changes in my behavior that I wanted to make, I really had to change my mindset and my relationship with money first. And so those are the things that I actually started working on first, and then I was able to change my behavior with money. And so fast forward, and I can get into more detail on some of the specifics I did um, you know, later, but fast forward, um, I was able to um, retire in my early 50s because my financial situation allowed me to do so. I was retired for about three weeks and I have way too much energy. And, you know, I, I was just, I was completely bored. And I thought, okay, this retirement thing is just not for me. <laughs> and so I started to look for something that would be fulfilling and something that would provide me flexibility and something where I felt like I could really help people. And I had met the founder of Money Mentor Group, Jane Helm, several years ago. And so I just called her up one day and I said, I love what you do. Can we have a cup of coffee? And the rest is history. I joined her back in 2019. That's awesome. See, you want to give back with what you learned. And I know you said you skipped over. <laughs> you skipped over all the lemonade making part. <laughs> so, I mean, it is rough. You were at the lowest of low where a lot of people find themselves. And that is so hard. And I just keep thinking when you were telling your story, how, how did you do it? Like wh what brought you from there to here? Well, it wasn't just one thing. Um, right. It was a lot of small things. So like I said, the first thing I had to do was uh, really work on my money mindset. And that had a lot to do with um, the messages that I sent myself around money. I always say, you know, we all have like a little guy that sits on our shoulder that whispers in our ear, right? And the, this little guy can either, I don't know why I say it's a guy, but I picture this little man, you know. <laughs> and um, they can either whisper messages of encouragement and motivation and positivity and cheering you on, right? Or we can allow this little guy to whisper messages of defeat and disappointment and insecurity. And I realized that I needed to change the messages that little guy was telling me about money. So for example, right? I, this little guy would say to me, you know, I would say to myself, I deserve. I deserve to have these beautiful new boots because they're really cute. I deserve to drive this really nice car, right? I deserve, I deserve, you know, I deserve to eat out because I've worked so hard all week. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. And I got to the point where I said, no, what I deserve is to have money in the bank. 
What I deserve is to have a secure financial future. What I deserve is to be able to retire someday. And when I changed my mindset around my own self-worth and what I deserve, suddenly those messages were completely different. So that was one thing that was kind of a game changer for myself. Um, the other thing that was a kind of a game changer was thinking of a budget as something that would restrict me or deprived me. You know, I never wanted to budget because I thought, oh, that's going to mean I can never go to Starbucks and I happen to love Starbucks. I can never go to TJ Maxx for some retail therapy. I can never eat out. You know, I was thinking of the budget as just it's going to you know, really restrict me and I won't be able to do fun things and buy myself nice things and take all the joy out of life. What I realized, though, is actually having a budget is the opposite. It gives you control over your money. You become the master of your money. And so when I created a budget, I just budgeted in some small luxuries for myself and some, you know, a budget for me to go to Starbucks, you know, if I wanted to. And by giving every dollar a job or a purpose, suddenly, I was more in control of my money. So those were just two things that, you know, very quickly come to mind that were kind of mindset shifts. I love that because we do, we like get ourselves tripped up by the words we actually use. And I love how you even said with your parents saying we can't afford it. It wasn't that they couldn't afford it. They just didn't want to do it. And so I noticed, I say that too. I'm like, oh, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. And it's my excuse for not doing it. And so I had to even change my words around that. Like, you know what? I can't afford that. I'm choosing not to buy that. I'm choosing not to do that. And it was so much more freeing. And I think how you're saying with the budget, once you assign the money a job, then it's almost like you don't need it as much. Does that sound like, you know, you're like, okay, I have my Starbucks account. And then it's almost like you don't need to go as much. It's weird because you have the money there, you decide to go, you can do it. But when you deprive yourself of it, you want to do it more, you know? That thinking. Absolutely. So we have to tell ourselves like, it's okay. We can do that if we choose to do that. And then exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. You know, some of the um, behavioral things that I did um, that really helped me as well was I realized that I needed to learn about investing. I needed to learn about how credit works. I needed to learn how to budget. So I just started going to the library and checking out any book that I could on personal finance. Um, I really started, you know, educating myself about how money works. And that was a huge help. Um, I'm a big reader. And of course, going to the library is free. And so you know, I started becoming kind of a master of my craft a little bit because I wanted to really, um, you know, learn about money. And then I also realized that, you know, you can uh, live just so frugally, but at a certain point, you need to have more money coming in. And so I thought about, all right, I probably need to make a career change, make a job change, because part of the equation is not just uh, spending less, but it's earning more, 
right? And so I did, I was very strategic with um, my career and I did increase my income and I had to take a couple risks, you know, to do that sometimes. But I thought, you know what? I may not be the smartest, uh, but no one's gonna outwork me. And um, so that was another thing that I did. And I also really learned about investing because if your money is just sitting in a savings account, um, it's not going to really grow very well. So I started really investing and nothing wonky or, I mean, back then there was no such thing as cryptocurrency. You know, I was just a slow and steady kind of stick my investments, you know, in uh, my 401k plan at work and my IRAs, you know, max those out. And it's this whole concept of paying yourself first. So when my paycheck came in, automatically a certain amount of money went to those savings because that was my top priority. And I just figured out how to live on what was left over. Um, so these are just some of the things that I did, you know, slow and steady, you know, paid off. So through Money Mentor Group, we do one-on-one -on -one coaching. We do group coaching. We've got all kinds of classes and workshops and do all kinds of things on social media. And it's been such fulfilling work and it's, it's really a passion project for me. Yeah. Um, I think that would be the best part of the lemonade is sharing it with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Another kind of big thing that I, I realized as I was on my financial journey is that I needed to stop equating my net worth with my self-worth to stop equating my net worth with my self-worth. So here's what that kind of meant for me on a practical sense. When I was that divorced single mom, I um, part of my $60,000 of debt was I owed about $25,000 for a car loan. Um, again, this, this is, you know, 20 years ago. And that was a pretty expensive car. Um, and I bought that car. It was a beautiful white Volvo sedan. And I got to tell you, I loved that car. And when I drove that car, if I'm going to be honest, I felt more beautiful. I felt more successful. I felt like a better mother because, you know, they're super safe cars, right? I even probably felt like a little sexier, right? Like I'm driving this beautiful white, you know, luxury car. What I realized though, is that every month when I made that 400 and something dollar a month payment, that was $400 less that I was not investing for that secure and prosperous financial future. That really was my goal. And so at some, some point I realized it's really just about choices. And what was more important to me, driving that car and the way driving that car made me feel or having a strong financial future. So I sold the car, I got rid of the car. And at that time, my parents were giving away, they were donating this beat up old Hyundai Sonata. I mean, this thing was a disaster. Like it had so many miles on it, it had dings all over, it had rust. I mean, they were just donating it. And I said to my parents, I'll drive the car. And I can remember driving up to networking events and business meetings in this really horrible car and feeling embarrassed, right? But I would say to myself, okay, check yourself. 
Are you any less successful driving this car? No. Are you any less beautiful driving this car? No. Are you a worse mother because you're driving this car? No. I had to stop connecting my net worth and my self-worth. And once I was able to separate those things out, it was so much easier for me to control my spending, to save more and just really live a different lifestyle. And I really think, especially for women, um, we so often connect the outside appearances, you know, the, the designer handbag, the getting our nails done, the, you know, whatever it is with our self-worth. And we really have to try hard to value within ourselves, our smarts, our humor, our, um, you know, friendships, our willing to help other people. Those are the things that truly make us valuable. I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you for sharing that because that is so important. We do, we get caught up in everything and think it makes us valuable because of the things we have or the places we live or how long our eyelashes are, how long our hair is or whatever it is that we value that we think other people value, which they don't. They want our friendship, our love, our care, what we can offer as a neighbor, as a mom. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Sure. Um, I just think it's, it's really important. Um, One other uh, thing I'd like to share is really the importance of having an emergency fund. Now, everybody listening to this podcast knows that you need to have an emergency fund. Everybody knows that, right? But it's one thing to know it, and it's another thing to actually do it, right? It's, it's harder than it sounds. But the reason I would encourage all of your listeners to make sure that they have an emergency fund, um, and again, people, people get caught up on the amount. Should it be one month? Should it be three months? Should it be six months? It really depends on your financial situation, but at least, right, I would say have three months worth of basic living expenses, you know, basic meaning a roof over your head, food on your table, you know, medication, that sort of thing, is because if you don't have an emergency fund, I can guarantee you when those emergencies happen, and it's when, not if, those expenses will end up on a credit card. And then everything you bought is just significantly more expensive. And I think we also need to define what's an emergency and what's not. So by definition, an emergency is something that you never could have predicted, right? It's, it's right an unex- something that happened unexpectedly. Your sister's wedding in you know Detroit that you know you're gonna go to summer and you need some extra money for, Okay, that is not an emergency. <laughs> You've known that's coming up, right? You know, Christmas, that is not an emergency. It happens every year, right? Even things like car repairs, people always think of that as an emergency. And it can be, you know, something can all of a sudden break down. But, you know, four new tires, mm, you actually know, right? Like when you take it to the mechanic, they'll tell you, oh, you're gonna need four new tires pretty soon, right? So these are things that you actually should be saving up for. These are what I call the budget busters, right? But they're technically not emergencies. So always make sure that one of your financial priorities is having an emergency fund. 
When it comes to budgeting for those kind of one-time expenses that again are not emergencies, but it's probably not part of like your fixed recurring expenses, you know? So when we think about things like birthdays, uh, Christmas, even expenses that you pay annually, maybe, you know, again, like your, your kids' activity fees, you know, I mean, those add up, you know, it's, it's not a surprise that you have to, you know, pay for your kids football uniform, they've been playing for the past three years, like, you know, again, but it's not part of your regular budget. Um, When I work with my clients, this is often the area that people struggle with the most, because this is the stuff that ends up on the credit card. And then of course, costs so much more, right? Because it's on the credit card and we haven't budgeted for it. And so what we do is I have a, a, a tool, it's called spending and savings tool. And I go through that with my clients and I help them define what some of their you know upcoming expenses are. And we figure out together what amount of money they should be putting aside in a separate account every month that is a special account just for what I call their budget busters, which are expenses that um, invariably are coming down the pike or come up once a year. They're variable, non-recurring expenses. And that's part of the work that I do with my clients is help them understand what some of those are, budget for them so that they are prepared. That's what we need. So I'm so grateful you are here to do that for us. I wanted to ask you about the mindset because I've heard different things about this. And when we're kind of raised a certain way and taught a certain way about money, like you said earlier, how do we decide to change that? Like it's the way we're raised is what we know and it's all we know, or it's our first memory of money and maybe it's not a positive memory. And so we go our life with that kind of idea around money. So how do we all of a sudden switch that? Well, um, you can't um, quickly switch it. It, It's a journey. I've been doing this a long time and I still have to really make sure when I'm making financial decisions that I'm thinking back to what I know my money mindset to be. So it's really important when you're trying to change any behavior, whether it's a behavior around your health or your fitness or your eating or whatever, that you understand why you do what you do. Okay. Because if you don't understand why you do what you do, it's, it's even harder to change that behavior. Right. So um, everybody has what I call a money personality, right? And there's actually an assessment that Money Mentor Group does with our our clients that you answer the questions and it, it helps us kind of define your money personality. And there's five different money types. You know, there's the spender who obviously their money personality is to feel good when they're spending. There's the money monk who feels that you know, money is at the root of all evil, so they don't even want money. There's the avoider, and the avoider just doesn't even want to deal with their money, right? They, they don't want to look at their statements. They don't want to look at their bills. You know, there's all these different money personality types. People can actually go to our website, and for less than 10 bucks, um, they can take this money personality quiz, and we'll send them back, you know, what they um, are and an explanation of, of what it tells them about themselves. 
When you're looking to change your mindset, first, again, understanding your money story and why you do what you do. And then thinking about those messages that you are sending yourself and how that is impacting your behavior. So it's like changing anything else. Um, So I'll, I'll give you an example. Last winter, you know, the pandemic, I was home a lot, like everybody else, right? It was a cold, dark, lonely winter, right? And what I found is that around 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, I was really starting to um, snack a lot. Like my husband went to bed earlier, like he, he goes to bed really early and he wakes up really early. And at 9.30, 10 o'clock, Oh my gosh, the ice cream in the freezer was calling my name. The cookies in the pantry were just like, I I was just snacking a lot. And I knew that was not a good behavior, right? I mean, I knew that, but I just couldn't, couldn't stop, right? And so, because I try to eat really healthy. So I said, okay, you're a coach, right? You know what to do here. I said, all right, what's going on in your head? What emotions are you feeling that's causing you to eat? And what I realized is around 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, I was starting to feel bored and I was starting to feel lonely and I was starting to feel um, disconnected and isolated. And I said, okay, you're using that snacking to try to take away or remove those emotions. I said, okay. So what that means is I need to find something else to do during that witching hour that's going to keep me occupied, that's going to make me feel connected, right, to other people, and then I'll be able to change the behavior. So I actually took up painting as a hobby. I started doing all this painting, and now all of my family members have Elisa Lock originals hanging in their home, whether they like them or not. (laughs) And while I was painting, I would listen to podcasts. And by listening to those podcasts, I, you know, felt like some connection. And when I started doing that, I wasn't snacking as much. So you can do similar kinds of things with your money behavior. Oh, that is so great. I mean, that's a great life tip anyway, without money, we should do that. If we're feeling that void and feeling that hole and we fill it with food, maybe we need to fill it with something else. So that's a great tip anyway. Exactly. But I love the, the money advice, so thank you. I love money advice from someone who's been there and done that and not just that it was easy for you and you always had money and now you know how to make it work for you. Like I love that you knew how to figure out how to come from that hard, dark place and be able to be where you're at today. So you're such a light and an inspiration. And I appreciate you sharing all of this with me. So thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you being here. I was at a very dark place and worked hard, you know, and it wasn't easy, but I truly believe that um, anybody can do it if, you know, they want to. So I hope that that's a message that resonates with a lot of people and comes through. Yeah that anybody can do anything. I love that too. You know, if it's, if it's not a money problem, you can get through whatever you're dealing with. And there are people there to support you and mentor you, coach you. And so I love that you offer the service for people to be able to get out of the hard situations they're in with money and be able to see a better future. Because I think we get so overwhelmed with it and we don't know a way out. 
and we think this is as good as it's going to get and this is how it's always going to be and we get that little guy on our shoulder that just keeps telling us that we're not worth it and this is just how it is and it's never going to get better and so i love that you're here to tell us that's not true and that there's another way to think and there's a way to work through it and that you can support us in that so thank you for that thank you um you know i would just say that you know to any listener if kind of what um, we've been talking about is hitting home for you, reach out to me. One of the things that I do as a financial coach is offer a free 15-minute clarity call, which you can go onto the Money Mentor Group website, and there's a link right on there. And we can talk for 15 minutes free of charge, and we can see if I can help you, if financial coaching is something that you think you would like to do and um, see if we're a good fit for each other. Oh, that's a great service you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for offering that. You're awesome. Right. You just brought a lot of clarity to me today and I just really appreciate your time. So thank you. My pleasure. You're still here? Well then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. It's really cool. I definitely have had my issues with money in my life. So it's really interesting too, when you talked about the value, because that's something I've always struggled with is my value is where I work and what I do for a living, then I'm worthy. And so when I work fast food, I automatically, it's hard on myself, you know, but I love working fast food. Wow! <laughs> I like being there. I like serving people. I am passionate about the food. I'm passionate, you know, and it's so funny because in my head messes with me with like, well, then you're not a good person. A 15 year old could do what you're doing and you don't have much education or you don't have much aspiration or, you know, your head just starts telling you, you know, you're making minimum wage. Can't you do better than this? You know, kind of stuff. So it's yeah. been, it's really hard to deal with that little guy on your shoulder. It is. It is. And sometimes we have to just flick the guy <laughs> off of our shoulder. <laughs> that is the best. Flick him off. <laughs> so true. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's so true. It is that easy, isn't it? We make well, it a lot harder. You know, uh, we're, you know, it's not easy. And, and I really do believe that um, you need to find your support system, you need to find your tribe, you need to find your community of people that will support you. Again, going back to that hard place where I, you know, was that single mom in debt with no savings, I quickly realized that, you know, I needed to find friends who would be okay when I said to them, no, I can't get together with you for a day of shopping it's just not in my budget right now. Or I can't go to happy hour because it's not in my budget right now. But I'd love to get together. You wanna come over and we'll just have a girl's night in my living room. You get to see who your friends are, right? When you're making a big life change. And so many of the people, when I started to say that, would say things like, oh my gosh, I'd so much rather come to your living room and hang out, like, cause I don't need to be spending that money either. I just, you know, thought that's what you wanted to do. So, you know, find a community of people that can support you and cheer you on. And there, it may be that there are some people you need to distance yourself from. 
you know, because they just don't understand your journey or don't understand the changes you're looking to make. And um, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Tell yourself that's okay. You don't have to try to keep up with a lifestyle that you don't really want. And there are friends and other people that you can hang around with that will support you where you're at and where you want to be in the future. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Thank you. 